Do please take your seats for our first reading. The first reading is from James, chapter 1, verses 9 to 18. And this can be found on page 1213 in our church Bibles. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away, even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, Consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, Your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please take your seats as Tracy comes to speak to us. Well, good morning. Has anyone heard of TED Talks? Oh, good. I hadn't until a couple of weeks ago when I was listening to the radio and I heard this man talking about these this not-for-profit organisations that aim to deliver powerful, life-changing messages in under 18 minutes. So that's my challenge this morning. So let's pray. Father, thank you that your word is life-changing. Your word is life-giving. Father, would you come in power by your Holy Spirit and through your word and speak to our hearts. Give us ears to hear what you want to say to each one of us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So two weeks ago, we started our series on James, and we had a break last week for our baptism. And I read um, one commentary on James, which said that it was perhaps one of the easiest to understand, but one of the hardest to undertake. And it is pretty hard-hitting. James talks a lot about faith in action, walking the walk as well as talking the talk, demonstrating genuine faith through transformed lives, not contradicting the gospel by the way we live. And in these verses, James gives us a warning, but he also assures us of the character and the gift of God. And there had been a problem of greed amongst the, the scattered Jews to which this letter is, to whom um, this letter is addressed. The Jews had scattered around the Mediterranean. Many of them had left Israel for business reasons. Uh, but they had become greedy. They'd become too much like the Gentiles. They grew richer, and they started making their plans without reference to God. And in this respect, James is bang up to date. Is still a challenge today for us as Christians living in a world, a society, which is increasingly making plans without reference to God. I haven't quite made my mind up yet about Brexit. I'm still praying about it. But I was interested, uh, a letter I read in the paper just a couple of days ago from a couple of professors from, um, I think, yeah, a university in... Um, Newcastle. And they were worried about the emphasis given by the university academics at the University of Cambridge to the economic considerations. And they wrote, we believe instead there are higher values to take into account. Freedom, democracy, accountability, and legitimacy of government. It's a little disappointing to see those at one of our foremost universities focusing only on the utilitarian. I found that quite interesting. And in our passage, James is addressing first poorer people. And he says that they have a high position. The Amplified Bible describes the poor as called to the true riches and to be an heir of God. Whereas richer people ought to be humbled when they're shown their human frailty as like a flower, they'll pass away. And of course, all that we accumulate here is temporary. It is perishable. It's not built to last. And God sets no store by earthly riches, possessions, or positions, which ought to reassure us. The boy David was overlooked by his father and his brothers as a possible king of Israel, And the prophet said, man looks on outward appearances, but God looks at the heart. And Jesus warned of greed in uh, Luke 12, in the parable of the rich fool. He said, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. He told them of a farmer who had an abundance of harvest, so big that his barns couldn't contain them. He decided to tear down the barns and build bigger ones, and then just relax, sit back, and take life easy. 
But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. And I was reminded of the the harvest song that we sing. We plough the fields and scatter the good seed on the land, but it is fed and watered by God's almighty hand. All good things around us are sent from heaven above. Then thank the Lord, oh thank the Lord, for all his love. In his greed, the fool had forgotten that it was by God's grace that he had the harvest in the first place, and he certainly couldn't take it with him when he died. And further on, in Luke 12, Jesus reassures his flock, do not be afraid, your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give it to the poor, Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I remember the Bible teacher, Joyce Meyer, talking about she was driving past a rubbish tip with her husband once, and she looked out and saw all the furniture and the gadgets all piled up, rusting away. And she said to her husband, you know, each one of those things was once somebody's dream. And we do live in a throwaway society. We're always upgrading. We're always looking for the new version. And we can get carried away with believing that this actually defines us. My niece was teased in her class for be- many years ago now for being the last one to get a Nintendo DS. But by the time she got it, something else had come along to replace it. And so it continued, with each gadget getting more sophisticated and more expensive. Our worth is not based on what of the latest gadgets we have. But many feel it is. Many just keep needing more and more. But that's a goal that can never, ever be satisfied. The millionaire Aristotle Onassis said at the end of his life, millions do not always add up to what a man needs out of life. So what do we need out of life? I came to understand what I needed when I read the little book, Why Jesus? Many of you will know this book, especially if you've done Alpha. I was given this book about 13 years ago now. And what I read spoke to my heart. Why do we need Jesus. You and I were created to live in a relationship with God. Until we find that relationship, there will always be something missing in our lives. As a result, we are often aware of a gap. And it talks about how people try and fill the emptiness in various ways, with money, possessions, position, things like drugs, alcohol, pornography, food, many different things, but we are designed to need God, to live in a relationship with God. And James reminds us that if we love God, if we accept his invitation, 
to live in a relationship with him through the work of Jesus on the cross. And if we're faithful to him amidst all the trials and temptations that will come, we're rewarded with eternal life. We heard that gospel just now in John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. And there are temptations everywhere. I went along to um, Joyce Isle's funeral on Wednesday and um, we sang a song which really is a paraphrase of some of the words of this passage. Oh Jesus, I have promised. Oh, let me feel thee near me. The world is ever near. I see the sights that dazzle, the tempting sounds I hear. My foes are ever near me, around me and within. But Jesus, draw me nearer, draw thou nearer and shield my soul from sin. When temptation comes and we give into it, it's really easy to blame everything else. Blame others, say, I just couldn't help it, or even blame God. But James is really clear in this passage. Temptation does not come from God, but from our own desires, which, if they are left unchecked, will result in sinful actions. And those may multiply and completely overwhelm us, as we see with, in the face of, of, of addictions. So how do we resist these evil desires? Can we cut them off before they get out of hand? Well, the Bible tells us that God will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear and that he will provide a way out. And we're reassured that Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are. But he was without sin, and so he understands And he gave his disciples a great bit of advice in the Garden of Gethsemane. Watch and pray that you may not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He knew. He knew what we were like. He knew what we were facing. And if we acknowledge that we need God's help in our weakness, he'll give us that strength and he'll show us how to resist a lot is talk, talked about sexual temptation. And I've got a couple of examples which have stayed with me that I heard over, over the years. I used to be involved with a Christian charity called Explore, which went into secondary schools to talk to children about personal experiences of marriage. And I was facilitating one group when a young couple came in to talk to the sixth formers. And this young chap worked away a lot. He worked on projects a lot with women, quite intense projects. And he said that he made a policy of never going to the pub with a female colleague on his own after a project. However much they might have wanted to debrief um, in in an informal environment, he made a policy of never doing it because he'd already spent so much time with that person that there was a danger that that intimacy would spill over and, t- and take, just take time that really belonged to him and his wife. And I remember the students, when we talked afterwards, when the couple had gone, the students were so impacted by the fact that this young man would put things in place before anything happened to protect his marriage. 
Similarly, a talk I heard at Greyfriars by Phil Andrew, the curate at the time, talked of two people, both married to others, who met on a train every day on the way up to London. And they grew friendly, and they grew more friendly. And they sort of, things were were bubbling along, and, and things could have got out of hand. Until one day, one of them decided to take another train. As simple as that. And that was it. It was cut off before it got out of hand. Jesus will show us in every temptation the way out. The amazing thing is, when we accept Jesus as our saviour, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside us. And this makes amazing power available to us. In the Amplified Bible, the words for the Holy Spirit, which Jesus introduces in John 14, are strengthener, counsellor, comforter, intercessor, advocate. We're not designed to do it on our own. We can hold up against temptation when we tap in or hook in, as Andrew was talking earlier on about when we were praying. We can hook in to God 24-7 to this amazing power. The choice is ours. If we want to walk the walk and not just talk the talk, will we choose to walk in the Spirit, be controlled by the Spirit and not by our own desires? And if we are too much of the world, we will be drawn by those sights that dazzle and the tempting sounds that the hymn spoke of. And we might be deceived into believing that these actually have more to offer than the things of God. But James warns us of this, reminding us that God is the opposite of what the world offers. He is light in the darkness. He's unchanging in this shifting world. His is the word of truth, not the whisper of deception. He is the giver of all that is good and perfect, gifts that will not perish or fade away. He's created us to be the very, very best of his creation, the first fruit, the choicest part of the harvest. And the wonderful thing about the gospel, as we've seen this morning, Because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, when we do slip up and when we do fall into temptation, we can come to God. We can confess our sins. We can ask for and receive forgiveness. So if we're serious about growing as Christians and letting the Holy Spirit guide us, we'll then see progress in our daily struggles with sin and temptation as he refines us and we become more like Jesus. So as Christians, we are facing those same challenges as the first century Jews who've been dispersed. We are working in the everyday world. There is that temptation to become assimilated, to adopt the world's standards. But we are citizens of heaven. We're strangers here on earth. We're waiting for our eternal home. We are in the world, but not of it. And so those snares, whatever they are, those snares are going to be different for each one of us. But they're a barrier to really grasping and appreciating what the gift of God is, the crown of eternal life. But Jesus had the best advice. Watch 
and pray that you may not fall into temptation. When we grasp that God wants to give us the very, very best, why would we settle for anything less? Amen. Thank you.